All right, good morning, guys. How are you doing out there? All right, I love your pastor, even though he's jealous that I'm funnier than him. Um, that's all right. So uh, being serious for a minute, I have to tell you what, James and Cody are, they're some of Cheryl and I's best friends. I, I love James and Cody. And uh, James and I, we talk two, three, four times a week, sometimes more than that. And uh, we keep each other accountable. And uh, I hope you guys know this. If you don't know this, I just want to tell you, you got one of the best pastor and, and pastor's wife on the planet. They, yes, you do know it. Um, they're, they're not perfect, neither am I, and I uh, just want to let you know neither are you. And uh, just, you know, letting you in on that secret. Um, they're not perfect, but I'm going to tell you what, they love people, and they love you. And if you love your pastors, come on, give it up for them one more time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, while we're honoring people, I think we all know that, that this is Veterans Day weekend, and uh, tomorrow is, and I just want to take a minute. I, I know, you know, the Air Force Base is close by. I, I know that we have a lot of folks here that currently serve in the armed forces. I know we have a lot of folks that have served at some point in their life. If you have ever served in our armed forces, I want to ask you to please stand right now. Please stand all over this room. Don't be shy. I want to ask you, come on, men, women, please stand. Please stand. Yes. Hey, don't sit down. Don't sit down. I want to ask you to stand. I want you to stay up for a minute. Please stay. I, I want to share something with you for just a minute, all of you that are standing. And, you know, one of the things in this country that we're probably not getting right right now is, is honor. In our country, we're not doing well at this. To be really honest, um, I don't think uh, young people are honoring old people as much as they should. Maybe old people are not honoring the young people as much as they should. I don't, I don't think men are honoring women as much as they should. I don't think women are honoring men as much as they should. Different races aren't honoring each other. Like, we're not getting this right. I'm going to tell you what. I believe it starts with the church. I, I believe it starts with the church showing society and the world, this is how we honor people. And I want to let you know that we're here to honor you today. I'm so thankful for you. My, my dad served in Vietnam. He was, he was over there for 13 months. My grandfather served. Like, I'm so thankful that I have that in my heritage. And we are thankful for you. And here's what I want to let you know is the enemy will whisper in your ear one of these days that what you do doesn't matter. And I want you to tell the enemy he's a liar because what you do matters. You know, we come here every weekend to give honor to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who gave his life for us. He died for us. And here's what we know is, you signed on the dotted line, and you are willing, if necessary, to give your life for us. And you... Right. And I have to tell you this. We want to honor you and thank you because we get to freely worship Jesus Christ because of who you are and what you've done. And so we want to say thank you. Come on, give it up for him one more time. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. And, and while we're honoring people, I actually have to honor my wife, who's not with me this morning. She's with my son. We actually spent a week away celebrating 25 years of marriage this past week. I think they've got a picture of us. And uh, we got away. Pastor Rick was nice enough to let us get away. You can tell she robbed me, robbed the cradle. I was 12 when we got married. 
or something like that, or maybe not. Um, but we, we've been married for 25 years, and I'm so thankful for my wife and uh, everything that she has done for me. I'm married way over my head. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can say that, although we know that this is Dear Widow Weekend, so we're missing a lot of guys this weekend. Um, here's what I want to tell you today. You probably noticed when you came in, you didn't get an outline with three points or four points on it, right? Like you normally, that's what you get when you come in. And today, you, you don't have an outline with three or four points. This is a little bit different weekend. I do want to make sure you do know this. There is a point today. There is a point today. And I think you're going to hear from the Lord. And uh, so you can take notes, but I really want you more than anything, I just want you to listen in to what God has for us today. You know, we're in this guardrail series. Pastor James kicked it off last weekend. You know, we all need guardrails in our life, right? I remember raising my kids. We were teaching them different guardrails. Like we would, we would teach them like, you know, you, you don't just run out into the street. Like you look both ways before you go out into the street. We, we taught them guardrails about their relationship, my daughter, relationship with boys, and my son, relationship with girls, like guardrails, how to guard yourself and, and where, the, where the boundaries were. We, we taught them, you don't, you don't, when you grow up, you don't turn into an LSU tiger. Like, you don't do that. You don't do that. I'm so mad at them today. And uh, we don't need to get stuck on that. But we have to have guardrails in our life. I, I want to read you a verse today. It's a guardrail verse. It's actually not something we focus in on much, but that's changing. And it started at the top. It started from Pastor Rick. And I know James and I feel this adamantly. I've actually been helping Pastor Rick with this. And I want us to look today at James chapter 1, verse 27. It's not written by your pastor. This is written by the half-brother of Jesus here. And I, I want to look at this verse here. Pure and undefiled religion. I want you to look at that word religion. Like, we, we almost never say the word religion, right? Like, we actually say we're not looking for religion. We're not looking for religion. We're looking for relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I, I feel like Christ came to abolish religion, and he wanted to replace it with relationship with him. But, but this word is important, and I, I'm going to talk to you about it in just a second. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. You want to know what it is? It's to care for orphans and widows in their trouble. That word, pure religion, in the Greek is thraskaya. And what it means is, is we, it's how we carry our faith. It's the evidence, evidence that we have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. The way we walk the walk, God makes it really clear a couple of the ways is we care for widows and we care for orphans. And I, I believe we, we do pretty well. Uh, we can always do better, but we do pretty well at caring for widows. And I, I want to tell you what, we have started getting involved in, in caring for orphans, but we're about to get really involved here in the state of Arkansas. And God is opening doors. I cannot wait to tell you what God is doing. It's amazing. It's, it's a little intimidating, just to be really honest, but it's amazing the opportunities that God is giving to us. And here's what I want to tell you is, Please don't tune me out if you're like, look, I'm never going to adopt, and I'm never going to foster. Like, please don't tune me out. I I'm going to tell you what. God has something he wants to, to share with you today about adoption and about who you are. And I also believe that he's going to show you some ways you can get involved that doesn't involve fostering a child or adopting a child. Although there's going to be a few people today, I believe God's going to speak to them about adopting a child or fostering a child. I believe that's going to happen. 
I think it's going to happen all over the state of Arkansas today. But, you know, this weekend, not only is it Veterans Day weekend, not only is it Dear Widow weekend, um, but this, this is also Foster and Adoption Weekend nationwide and here in the state of Arkansas. I don't, I don't know if you know this right now. In the state of Arkansas, there are 5,000 children in the foster care system. I want to sing it. 5,000 children in the foster care system. Here's another fact. There's actually only 1,500 homes available for those 5,000 kids. So you do the math. There's not enough homes available for all the kids. So what ends up happening? So many of them end up actually right now, some of them are staying in hotels. There's like several numbers of kids in hotels with, with one adult in there trying to care for them. Some of them are in homes and overcrowded homes all over the state of Arkansas, and, and Pastor Rick and Michelle, they, they got this burden on their heart to do something. And I went with them, and another couple, uh, Kevin and Hope Little. And Hope Little, we've actually brought her on at the Dream Center. And uh, Kevin and Hope, they've actually fostered, I believe, three or four times they fostered children, and they've also adopted four children into their family. And um, they have a heart for this, obviously. And she's coming on to help us at the Dream Center with this, we met with Misha Martin, who's the head of foster care at DHS in the state of Arkansas, and here's what she said. She said, the answer to fixing this problem is the church. She said, like, we need you. Like, we're begging you to get involved. We know we're not the answer. We can't do it alone. We need the church to step up and get involved. It's right in line with what the Word of God says. In John 13, 35, it says this. It says, by this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you love one another? You care for those in need. You care for the poor. You care for the elderly, the widows. You care for the orphans. That's how you know is that you care for them. And I want to tell you what, Pastor Rick, this burden has hit him. And I know where it started, and I could tell you where it started, but I want to take three minutes. He spoke some of this last night, and I want to tell you, he, he shared his heart really where it started, and I just want to take three minutes and listen to Pastor Rick. I want you to hear it directly from him on where this started. Check this out. Earlier this year, and once every two years, I go on a mission trip. A lot of my friends, they go to some really cool places on mission trips, but I always go to the worst places in the world just because I feel like, don't you feel like, raise your hand if you feel like you're blessed, all right? And I just feel like I live like a king every day. People are nice to me. I eat three square meals a day. Uh, I have a healthy family. And I, I feel like I lose track of what's going on in the world. And I don't feel like I can pastor a church with that. So I go to the, the dungeon of the world. Could be to live in a garbage dump in India. It could be a lot of different places, but it's always the poorest places and where the smell is not good and the nutrition is not good and the water supply is not good and families are not doing well and people are dying. So this year I went to Lebanon where the Syrian crisis is in full motion and I saw the mountain that these Syrians had to cross over in the Lebanon, and they were landing in Lebanon and many other places, including Europe and other places. But I went to visit these Syrian refugees. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There was one family 
And this is after moving your way through streets where kids are scrounging under dog bowls for something to eat. And I went to one family and they were in someone else's tent and they didn't have a home to live in. And so here they were contemplating on which kid they were going to sell so they could afford to live. And so they were asking my advice on which one they should sell. Should it be the baby that the daughter was holding because she was raped in her journey? Should it be the teenager who is now strong and this boy could help another family? Like he's worth a certain amount? Should it be the teenage mom that is in the house so she could be in the trafficking? Should it be one of the other kids that I didn't get to see? Well, I certainly didn't answer that, but I remember thinking, if I could somehow rescue one of these kids, I would do it. But it's bunk. Because there's kids to rescue here in Arkansas. And I'm a pastor of a very large church. And we could annihilate the statistic, but it's not happening because of me. I got to tell you, I, I love our pastor, and I love the fact that he realized that, that we weren't doing enough and that he didn't feel like he was doing enough, and he said, we're, we're going to do something about it. <clears throat> and God has moved on him. I want to tell you what, God has done something to him, and, and we're going to get involved. I know this, Pastor James is committed to getting involved. We're gonna, I can't wait to tell you about it in just a minute. I'm going to tell you what else, Pastor James, if any of you know him, he loves going on the mission field. He's already told me, he said, we're going there. He said, I'm, I'm taking a team there. He said, we're going to go try to help these kids. We're going to go try to help these refugees there in Lebanon. He said, we're going. Let me tell you what, that's, that's not a trip for people that are soft. That's not a trip for the Kardashians. This is a trip. Let me, let me tell you what. This is a trip for somebody that's willing to risk a little bit. But somebody that's willing to risk a little bit, there's also a lot of reward. And I love that about your pastor. I know that's the way James is. And here's the question. Pastor Rick started talking about our rescue. How many of you have ever been rescued? I want you to think about that. How many of you have ever been rescued? Like, I'm sure this last week you saw there was that shooting in the bar, just horrible shooting. I mean, these things, won't, they don't seem to stop. And, and these people were trying to get out of there as this, this guy was mowing people down. And I saw this, this, there was this interview of this lady, and she she. She got trampled, honestly, trying to get out of there. She gets knocked to the ground. She's laying on the ground. She said she could look over and she could see the shooter, like this evil look on his face as he was reloading the gun about to start shooting again. And she said about that time, thankfully, somebody saw her on the ground and picked her up and rescued her and and got her out of there. Have you ever been in a hopeless situation and somebody rescued you. I have to tell you, I've seen it happen to a number of people since I've been at New Life Church and been pastoring a New Life Church. My favorite story of all time, my favorite rescue story of all time, I want to take just a couple minutes, I want to tell you. There's this family, they now attend New Life Church at the Great Little Rock Campus. And there's a lady by the name of Linda. She's a mom. Uh, she has a boy named David and a daughter named Kat. David had had a kidney transplant. And uh, as a boy, and I had a friend, I, I have a friend, his name is Roland. Now, Roland is my crazy friend. 
Like everybody, you have to have a crazy, little bit weird. I'm talking about card-carrying crazy person. If he's found, he's got this card that says, I'm crazy, like take me back to here. All right, everybody, like do you, do you know who the crazy person is in your group, the kind of weird crazy person? Do you know who it is? Like could you name that person? If you can't name them, maybe, like maybe, maybe you're, yeah, you're the one. Um, but Roland is my crazy friend. Well, he has a wife, a sweet lady. And by the way, I love Roland. He would do anything in the world for me. He, he would take a bullet for me. He really would. I love that guy. And uh, his wife, though, Kathy, worked at Arkansas Children's Hospital. Her job was to follow up on kidney transplant patients. In the course of doing her job, she, David was one of the patients that she would follow up on periodically. And one time she came to, to David's house. To, to Linda was the mom, came there, and she noticed... Like, there was nothing in their apartment. Like, she said, David, what's, what's wrong? Where's, where's all y'all's stuff? And David said, well, Dad left when Mom was at work, and he, he took everything. Like, he took it all. She said, what do you mean all? Like, everything. Linda, and she was like, where are you sleeping? She said, well, we're, we're sleeping on the floor. Like, he took the beds. He took everything. He took the car. Like, Mama has to take a bus to work now. And so Kathy left there, and Kathy had a decision to make. She said, well, I can either let the government do something about it, or I can do something about it. And I know Kathy. Kathy went home, and she said, Roland, we got to do something. Like, we got to do something now. And Roland's like, what are we going to do? She said, we got stuff. We got stuff we don't use. Like, we know people. Like, you know people, Roland. You're crazy. You know everybody. Like, you know people who have stuff. And they're not using it. We got to help them. And so they, they had a life group at New Life Church. And they just started calling their friends and started gathering stuff. He started gathering, gathering stuff from people he worked with. He started raising money and not telling Linda and David about it. And one night, who Linda, she would take the bus to North Little Rock. She lived in Little Rock in a kind of a dark area of Little Rock. She would take the bus to North Little Rock. She was the manager at the Dollar General there. And she would take the bus home 10.30 at night, get dropped off and walk on a dark street home to her house. And one night, Linda came walking in, and that life group had been there all evening. And they put brand new beds in every one of those rooms with brand new sheets. I ain't done yet. And they, they put sheets on those beds, and they put lampstands and, and nightstands, and, and they, they, put, they put sofas and end tables and TVs in there and a dining room table. They put silverware in there. They, they put food in the refrigerator, food in the pantry. And Linda and David and Kat experienced the love of Jesus Christ for the first time in their life. And Linda, she said, who are you people? And they just said, you know, where does somebody just want to let you know you're loved? And um, if you don't have a church, we, we go to a church called New Life Church, and we would love to have you come visit. And Linda and David and Kat came to New Life Church that weekend. And they come to New Life Church about 50 weekends a year for the last seven years. And they serve at the Welcome Center. And David and Kat sing in the ensemble. Where would they be if Roland and Kathy hadn't said, we got to do something? Let me tell you where I think they would be. Nothing, nothing, I'm not knocking the system, but here's what the system would have done. Those kids were sleeping on the floor. They would have said that was an unfit place for them to live. 
And those kids would have been taken into the foster care system. And Linda loved those kids. It wasn't her fault. Like, she loved those kids. Those kids loved her. That's what would have happened. But thankfully, somebody did something. I don't know if you know this. Over 50% of the kids in the foster care system, listen to this, they're not orphans. Their parents are, they still have parents. Many times their parents want them and they want to be with their parents. There are situations where there is neglect. There is abuse and those kids need to get out of there. There are definitely situations like that, but not all of them. I I, I want to tell you, if, if you look in the Bible... If you read the Word, there's over 2,000 scriptures in here about the poor. Why? Because Jesus didn't want us to forget about them. He wanted us to take care of the poor, the people in need, the hungry, the orphans, the widows. That's what He wanted. No matter the subject, He always seemed to work His way back around to this. Let me tell you what. The Bible is just an enormous conversation that God is having about us to not forget His children that are in need. Here's a very important question I want to ask you. How many people in this room, either you have adopted a child or you were adopted yourself? Anybody want to raise your hand? How many? Okay. It's a pretty good number of people. Maybe 15, 20, maybe. I want to read you a verse. If you don't get anything today, if you don't get one thing, I want you to get this verse. Please, I want you to listen in. If you haven't thought my jokes were funny, listen to this. For he chose us in him. He chose us. He chose you. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he chose in advance for us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, for us, for you and me, to be adopted through Jesus Christ into God's family. Now I want to ask the question, how many of you in this room have been adopted? If you're not raising your hand, you didn't get that. (laughs) Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to adopt you and I into God's family. And when you say yes to Jesus, you go from being an orphan to being adopted, to being a son, to being a daughter into God's family. And that is what he has always been about. Look, if if I held up the book Fifty Shades of Grey, anybody ever heard of a movie Fifty Shades of Grey? Anybody ever read a book about Fifty Shades of Grey? If you haven't, how many of you could raise your hand if I said, do you know what Fifty Shades of Grey is about? How many people could raise their hand and you would say, you know what Fifty Shades of Grey is about? Come on, raise your hands if you know what it's about. You heathens here in Cabot, what in the world? What kind of church, Jared? What is y'all doing around here? My goodness. If I hold this book up, what is this book about? I'm going to tell you what it's about. It's about a rescue. It's about a rescue. It's about you getting rescued. It's about me getting rescued. It's about Jesus adopting you and adopting me and rescuing us. That's what the whole thing's about from the front to the back. It's a rescue story. And I want to tell you what Jesus is all about, about you and I seeing people that need to be rescued and need to be cared for. That's what he's looking for. Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Look at this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
Think, listen to this. It's like a merchant who is seeking for beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl, just one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Here's what you got to know. Jesus is the merchant and you're the pearl. And he would have died just for you, for one pearl, for one person, for you, for you, for you. He would have died just for you because he saw how valuable you were. That's the thing about it. If you read all throughout the Word of God, it was amazing to see how valuable he thought people were. People that, that, that maybe were lepers. Maybe they were sick. Uh, maybe they were demonic. Uh, maybe they were handicapped. Maybe, no matter, maybe they were... They were Man, just bound up in sin. He saw them as valuable. Let me tell you what. People that are Christ followers, that you see them walking with a little bit of confidence, I mean humble, but with confidence and a little bit of swag in their step, you know what they get? They get their value. They understand the value that Jesus sees in them. Now you see people, Christ followers, that are not walking with that same confidence Here's what they're struggling with most of the times. They're struggling with the fear of rejection. They're afraid that their sin is too big and that Jesus is going to eventually reject them. And Satan wants to keep you bound with that fear of rejection and telling you that you're not good enough. I've done some studies and looked at different fears that people have. For years and years, you may have even heard Pastor James say this, for years and years, the top two fears... In the United States of America, they are this. The fear of death and the fear of public speaking. Number two is the fear of death. Number one is the fear of public speaking. So the next time you go to a funeral, I want you to think about this. Most people would rather be in the coffin than the person on stage talking. There's something wrong with that. that ain't, you, you, you're not thinking right. But a recent study says those are no longer number one and two. The number one fear in the United States of America now is the fear of rejection. I could go on and on about this. You know, young people going to college, having a dream, having a vision of what they want to be, and then Satan tells them, you'll never be that. They'll never hire you. You'll never be good enough. And they settle. And they don't go for their dream. They don't go for their vision. It's the fear of rejection. I could go on and on about this. But let me tell you what. Rejection, once you, you give in to that fear of rejection, it just, keeps, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It just snowballs until you just think that nobody likes you. And eventually God's going to reject you. And everybody's going to reject you. Can you think about how much rejection there is in the foster care system? Think about that. Think about the kids that, that maybe they know their, their earthly parents don't want them. I mean, there are cases like Linda. There are definitely cases like Linda that she loved those kids. And something just bad hit her. Thankfully, somebody came in and rescued them. Thankfully, that happened. But that doesn't always, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes these kids get dropped. Talking about kids getting dropped, the one story in the Bible I think about every single time is, uh, I'm sure many of you have heard the story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, he he was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of King Saul. And one day, it's a long story, you have to go read it. It's actually a really thrilling story. You ought to read it sometime. Um, King Saul, um, he was killed. 
His son Jonathan was killed on the same day. And of course, he's the king, so he had all these servants that served him. And one of those servants said, I've got to go get, I've got to go get Jonathan's son. I've got to take care of him. Grandpa's dead. Dad's dead. I've got to take care of Mephibosheth. And he has Mephibosheth, and he's running to try to get away so he can save his life. Save Mephibosheth's life, and he trips and he falls. And when he does, Mephibosheth falls out of his hands. He lands awkwardly, and he ends up crippled and lame. And for the rest of his life, he couldn't walk. He got dropped. He couldn't walk. But thankfully, King David said, I'm going to honor King Saul, and I'm going to honor my friend Jonathan, and I'm going to take care of Mephibosheth till the day he dies, and he's going to live in my house and eat at my table. And David saved Mephibosheth's life, and for the rest of his life, till the day he died, he took care of him. But let me tell you, that doesn't happen every time. There are sometimes there's kids getting dropped, and nobody's taking them in. And, there, you know, there's nothing worse for a pastor to feel like somebody's been dropped. I tell you, I guarantee you, for Pastor Rick, I know for Pastor James, for myself, there's nothing worse than I feel like I've dropped somebody. And what I mean by that is, I remember a lady, her name was Laura. And Laura had been in the hospital, and I didn't know about it. And she got in touch with me, and she said, you didn't come see me. I was in the hospital, and you didn't come see me. And I was like, I I didn't know you were in the hospital. She's like, I put it on Facebook. I said, well, I, I, I mean, I don't look at Facebook. Like, I'm working. Like, I, I work. Like, I'm not looking at Facebook all the time. And she said, well, my friends saw it on Facebook, and they came and saw me. And I was trying to defend myself, which, for the record, if you ever get sick, let your life group leader, like, call them, call pastor, like, let them know. Don't expect them to look on social media, but I don't need to get on that. But here's what I realized is I didn't need to defend myself. She just felt like she'd been dropped, and she just needed to be loved. And I said, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I'm, I'm just sorry I wasn't there for you, but we're going to be there for, for you now. And we're going to take care of you now. And I don't want you to ever feel dropped again. <sighs> Listen, when, when we don't rescue somebody, we're not dropping the ball. We're dropping a soul. Like we're dropping a soul. I want you to understand that souls hang in the balance what we're talking about today. I know we hadn't played around. It hadn't been very funny today because this is a serious topic we're talking about today. I want you to listen to what Psalm 68, we're, we're bringing this to a close right now. Psalm 68, 6, it says this. It says that God sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in family. That's exactly what foster care and adoption does. It, it sets the lonely kids. It puts them into family. Let me, let me tell you where we first started getting involved in New Life Church. It's not patting ourselves on the back at all because we, got, we need to start doing more. We're not doing enough. But several years ago, we learned from Misha Martin and some people at DHS that when, when kids would have to you know, get, get removed from their home and, and taken into foster care, that they would give them a, a black hefty sack. They would give them a black hefty sack and they would go into their their room and they would say, gather up whatever it is you want to take with you. And they would, you know, they'd go pick up their favorite toys and they would pick up their favorite clothes and their shoes or whatever they could get into that little sack and they would carry their little black sack out and they would take it to the home they were going to or the hotel they were going to and then they would carry their little black sack and they would take it to the next house, wherever they're going next and they would just take that little black sack. And so... 
we just heard about it. We was like, you know, I don't know what we can do, but we're going to do something. And so actually some of you ladies maybe even gave towards this. At a woman conference a few years back, we actually went out and we, we bought over 3,000 duffel bags, like brand new nice duffel bags. And we put notes in there, like hand 3,000 handwritten notes in every single one of those duffel bags. And we put a few gifts and toys and nice things in there to let them know that somebody loves you. You know, it wasn't much, but it was something. And I'm so thankful we did that. I guarantee you that DHS helped us get those bags out. But we got to do more. I want to talk to you about how we get involved. I'm going to give you five very quick ways, and we're closing this up, and it's going to be quick. Number one is, number one is, you can adopt. You you got to be called by God. You, you have to be called by God. If God calls you to do it, though, I'm going to tell you what, he's going to make a way. He's going to go before you. He's going to be your forward shield. He's going to be your rear guard. He's going to protect you if he calls you into this. Number two is, number two is you can foster. And some of you may, you may take a child in for a short period of time until we can find a permanent home. And the same thing, you've got to be called by God. Number three is, this is huge, and most people don't realize this. Number three is you can help a foster family. Like, come alongside a foster family. Here's what you don't know is 50% of foster families quit fostering within the first year. They give up. They're like, this is too hard. It's just, there's so much because these kids are hurting and there's so much hurt in, in their life. And so caring for them takes a lot. And then they have their own kids and they have jobs. And so you can come alongside them and you can say, hey, we'll babysit them on Friday night so y'all can go out on a date. We'll, we'll go to the grocery store for you. Let, let us go get your groceries and just help you out. Take, take a little bit off your plate. We'll mow your yard. Let us mow your yard just to help you out. Like you can come alongside a family. Let me tell you about these last two and I got to do it quick. I love these last two. I, I, it's exciting and intimidating, the door that's been opened to the Arkansas Dream Center. I, I, I'm honored that I get to serve on the Dream Center board. And DHS has come to the Arkansas Dream Center and has, has basically putting us in charge of something brand new. And it's called the Care Portal. The Care Portal is operating actually only in Sebastian County right now. Our Fort Smith Church and Fort Smith Dream Center, Dream Center has already been very involved for the last year or so. Now... The Care Portal is coming to Pulaski County, and the Arkansas Dream Center is going to be involved. It's going to be in Lono County, too, at some point in time, very soon. But it's, it's starting now, like now, now, now. It's starting in Pulaski County. And here's what happens is, here's what you don't know is, remember Linda? Remember I told you about Linda? There's so many families out there that Linda, people just like Linda, that she might say, I need some beds. I need some beds because I want to keep my kids. She tells DHS, DHS puts it in this care portal system. It's in that system. And then there's other families that they have needs, and it's in there. It may be a foster family. They have needs. And, and they go into this system, and all of a sudden, you just got all these, all this data in this system. It's just, it's just compiled in this system. And the Dream Center is looking at this every single day at all the needs just to help these kids and to help these families. Most of the time, their needs are... or less, but it can change their lives. It can help mamas and daddies that want to keep their kids, keep them with them. It's foster families that are trying their best to care for their kids that can help them care for their kids more. Some of them, they may need a microwave. They may need, maybe they don't have heat in their home and they need heat. And we're we're the ones that are going to be in charge of that now. Like we're in charge of manning that system and overseeing it and making sure those needs get met. 
praise God, we got a lot of companies coming alongside of us, and they're going to help us out with a lot of the goods. We just need to take them to the house. We just got to take them there and say, hey, here you go. Let us, let us help you plug it in. Is there anything else we can do for you? Can we pray with you? Just to let them know that somebody's out there fighting for them and that we love them. And then number five, the last way you can get involved is pray. Just pray. Maybe you want to ask to be able to see the portal list. We can let you see the portal list. You could just pray over the knees. Maybe you're like, that's all I can do right now. I want to pray over the knees. Just pray. At the very least, we're asking you to pray. Pray for the Dream Center. Pray for New Life Church. That we don't drop anybody. That we just do our best to care for these people and to love them. And so here's what I want to tell you. To get started, here's how you can get involved. I don't know if they'll have this on the screen or not, but if you want to just find out more information, all right? If you want to find out more information, you can text the word FOSTER to 88,000. If you just want to get information, you're not committed to anything, but if you want to find out more information about this, text the word FOSTER to 88,000. You're going to get a text back. You're going to be able to give them a little bit of information. Also, I know a little bit later, Patrick's going to tell us about, we've got uh, an information meeting coming up, and he's going to let you, there's so many things you can get involved. We've got a foster table out there. He'll, He'll tell you about that. There's so many ways you can get involved, but here's what I want to tell you. Just like Kathy said to Roland, Let's do something. Let's do something. If it's just pray today, let's do something. I want to pray over you. And I want to ask every one of you to go ahead and bow your heads right now over this room. I pray right now that we will all listen to the voice of God and do something. Because that's what Jesus has asked us to do. I also know this. There's some of you here today that maybe you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You haven't been adopted into His family. And I hope you got that today. That He came. That He died for you. He sees you as the pearl worth giving His life for. And that He wants today to adopt you into His family. Some of you... Today is the day that maybe you just you realize I've been living with that, that spirit of rejection and I'm no longer living with that spirit of rejection that I know I'm the great pearl. I'm going to rededicate my heart to him. Today I am adopted fully into his family. If that's you today, I want to ask you to slip up your hand all over this room. You know you're wanting to get adopted into his family or rededicate. I want to ask you to slip your hand up. Yes, sir, I got you. Anybody else? Yep, got you back over there. Yeah, I got several of you back over there. Yes, ma'am, got you right in here. Back there in the back, it's hard to see everybody, but God sees you. I just want to pray right now over over all of you raising your hand. God, I thank you that you felt like I was worthy. Even though I didn't feel worthy, you did feel like I was worthy. And you now have made me worthy. Thank you that you came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for me, to give your life for me. And you would have done it just for me. And I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. And I plan to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me today and for adopting me into your family, making me part of the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
and amen. Hey, we all do this. Can we give it up for Jesus? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus.